Hey everybody, how's it going? This is Joe Mignoso from Chicago Fire and you are listening to Meet Us at Molly's, the One Chicago Podcast. Not gonna be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride. Hey, Shy Hearts, happy Friday. Uh, yeah, welcome to episode 228 of Meet Us at Molly's. Today we are going all the way back to season one of Chicago Med. It's 2017? 20... No, 2015-16. Shit. Because Med season one is the only season I had to watch to get caught up on Med when I watched it for the first time. Oh, man. Okay, so we're taking it back to season one. We're doing Chicago Med season one episode 14 this episode is called hearts now if you don't remember this one which you may not that's okay i have always remembered this one as the one with ethan and the vet who has the heart problem oh my god there is so much more that is one of like 25 different things that happen in this episode this is chaotic af let's just say it's so i mean but it's really good i really enjoyed this episode i the more that we go back and watch some of the season one med episodes i'm like you know what maybe i shit on med season one a little hard like yeah i did go downhill and like two three four a little not as great but season one had some really good moments and i think this is like a very strong episode but it's chaotic oh my god chaotic is such an understatement this this episode to me is like you know, in the first season of every show, how they're kind of all over the place, they have to kind of find their footing. So yeah. there's this storyline, that storyline, another storyline, and like none of them really intersect. You're just like, what is happening here? And then it just kind of magically comes together. This to me is that episode when Med finally found their footing. Yeah. Like it's hard because we just obviously just watched randomly episode 14. So like I kind of wanted to go back and like rewatch some of it. But like I feel like the more I rewatch season one, I'm like, you know what? Season one wasn't as bad as I thought it was originally. No. It was season two this is a different story. But season one is season one is not as bad. And this is a good, this is a really good episode. This is a really good one. Yeah. I, I enjoyed this while also being like, this is that episode. Oh, that one too. And that one. <laughs> like, I was like, oh yeah, I forgot about this yeah. and this and that character. I was like, what? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's insane. So before we get to that, we do have some news. Uh, this is late breaking news. We're recording this on Tuesday. So if anything else has happened between now and Friday, we don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah. But the late breaking news is that Deadline came forward with some good news, which like, what? That never I know. Happens. It's like good cast news since when? What? Deadline, huh? Deadline? Are they feeling okay? Yeah. Okay. Chicago PD, Benjamin Levi Aguilar has been upped to a series regular for season 10. If you do not remember who he played, he played Dante Torres. It was season nine, episode 18, I think. I'm double checking. I know the episode title is in the article, but hold on a second. Yeah, the title is called, the episode is called New Guard. He was the rookie who Jay was mentoring. Hold on. It is 18. Correct. 18. Yeah. So Dante Torres, he was, he was the rookie that Jay mentored. And then there was a gang shooting. And then there was some sort of issue where they thought that the gang had an insider, that whole episode, that character, Dante, he is now a series regular. He is part of intelligence. Welcome, Benjamin. Um, yeah. Welcome to the one Chicago family. This is great. This is good news. 
It is. I, I do think it is a little interesting that like they gave him one episode, like not even in like, it's not even like you said, oh, he was in the season finale and then they upped him because that would make sense, right? Or in the two part, you know, season finale or whatever. He was in episode 18 and it's like, okay, well then they never mentioned him again. Like, you know, whatever. And all of a sudden now he's like joining intelligence. Like I'm curious to see where they go with this, but it's also kind of like, huh. It is. And it's funny because when we discussed that episode after it aired, I'm pretty sure at the end of it, we were like, yeah, I mean, that's great. We're probably never going to see him again, though. Right. And I think a lot of people were like wondering whether he would join intelligence for real. I think that was very much a conversation in the fandom. But again, it's PD at this point. I think we all kind of expect characters that get introduced for one or two episodes just to never come back because Mm -hmm. that's the way it's been for the last couple of seasons. Um, so I, I, yeah, I think we, you know, I'm excited. I mean, I mean, I'm curious to see where they go and how it works. And, you know, there's lots of things that I think can be in play this season, which will be exciting, but I just, I don't know. Like I'm excited for him, but like, I also have a lot of questions too. Same. I think Torres is going to bring a really interesting dynamic to the group, especially because in 918, he did kind of butt heads with Jay a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, right before we started recording, I went back and watched the last like 10 minutes of his episode (laughs) just to refresh my memory. And yeah, he and Jay butted heads quite a bit. And by the end of it, I think it's safe to say Torres didn't really trust him. So he's going to be coming in with, you know, a, a almost, well, he might come in with a chip on his shoulder. We don't really know because the article did say he's coming in straight out of the Academy. So right. Cause he was in the Academy when he was, you know, yeah. So I, I guess this is kind of Ruzik 2.0 in that, you know, he's just right in. Yeah. But- well, and I think it'll be, a, I, so two things off that yeah. one, you just made me think of something we haven't talked about in even any of our group chats, but who does he get partnered with Kim or do they switch things up? See, I saw some chatter about that on Twitter and there are some options, right? So Let's see. Um, Well, right now, the only one who doesn't have a consistent partner is Kim. Kim usually either, unless they're, you know, Voight tells her to go with Haley or Voight tells her to go with Ruzik, you know, very, she kind of just usually ends up with Voight for a lot of things. Mm -hmm. So Kim's usually the one who's like the odd person out, but like, I don't know if they just change things up altogether this season. I don't know. Yeah. So it's interesting that you said Kim, because what I was seeing on Twitter, now granted this news broke like two hours ago. So not even, not yeah. even. Yeah. So what I've been seeing on Twitter is that a lot of people are saying, well, hopefully he'll be partnered with Kev because Kevin doesn't usually have a consistent partner. It was Ruzwater for a while. And then last right, two seasons, I guess it's him and Adam. I guess I'm thinking that like Ruthwater has been the dynamic for a while. Granted, it wasn't as consistent this season. So I guess in my mind that usually that leaves Kim to be the odd person out because obviously you've upset and then Ruthwater and then there's just Kim. Um, I don't know. Do you think though, and this kind of leads me into my second point on what I'm kind of, why I'm also excited to see from this character and from Benjamin is that it, you know, it's nice to have another person of color in the unit. It is. And I guess my question is, do you think they pair the two people of color together? And like, do you think that is a good move or a bad move? That's an interesting question. I didn't if think they were to it, go the Kevin route, you know, yeah. and make them partners. I didn't think about it from that aspect. I didn't either until as we're talking, you know, these things just come to mind. I don't know if I would like that actually, because then you're kind of pigeonholing 
your two, two of characters color. of color. The same yeah. way that they have LaRoyce in the past couple seasons where mm-hmm. LaRoyce only ever tells the race-centric stories, which he knocks out of the park. And they are insanely important stories that do need to be told. But, yeah, you know, he's not a one-trick pony. Right. And that's kind of why I'm thinking I don't know if I like that pairing. Not that I don't think that pairing can be fun sometimes or, you know, good sometimes. But, yeah, I think... It just makes it seem like, okay, well, you've got your two people of color as partners. Like, of course it does, you know, that would happen. And it's like, no, that doesn't always have to be that way. And granted, I am excited too, because at least with this new, with Dante, we'll get to see focus when they do, if they do tell, actually I'm going to say when, because I'm sure they'll tell some race stories with him, Mm -hmm. but at least on a different community too, Um, you know more focus on the latino community like that'll be nice to see because we haven't ever seen that on pd really ever um yeah so that'll be fun i it was just like i said something i'm thinking about and going back to the partnering conversation on like so who does he get partnered up with you know my guess is whoever they partner him with they'll try to make his mentor so like do you think they would break up upset as like partners that was the, the other route? that was the other thing I was seeing on Twitter and a lot of people were kind of freaking out rightfully so right I'm I'm at the point too where I hate change so anytime something different comes around I'm like okay I, I'm uncomfortable but I got to adjust right so I did see a lot of chatter about that where people were like they're going to partner him with Jay and they're going to break up Upstead nobody's breaking up the Upsteads but I do think having Dante partner with Jay would be a good move. This is going to be, this could be very Gallo and Casey like where, yeah. you know, this is Jay's first officer to kind of mentor and develop and bring along. And one of our friends, Lauren from the locker room, she had said in our group text that she said, this could be really good for bringing forth the Sergeant Halstead era. Yeah. I and think, I think so it could. And I think even going back to the upstead thing, like even if they say, you know what, Jay's going to be partnered with Dante for a while, you know, help him show, learn the ropes of things and, you know, whatever. I think, you know, because we were talking about last week in our Upstead episode about like, okay, well, I don't think they're really going to break up Upstead, have them get divorced or anything like that. But obviously they're going to have to throw some sort of challenge at that relationship. Like as much as we all wish that like relationships on TV could be all sunshine and roses, I think we all know at this point, like they're just not going to be. So right. like even maybe by having them not partner, you know, at work together, maybe in some way that brings a different relationship challenge, like personal relationship challenge at them. That's not them breaking up, but it's something they have to work through. Like, I don't know, maybe that could bring the answer we want to on that front. I don't know. There's a lots of things to think about and we haven't had time to think about it because this news just came at us, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't personally say that like if they break up Upstead or if they have Jay partner with Dante, that that means Upstead is done forever. Like I, I, I think that's a little crazy, but. Let's think about this. Let's find the silver lining here, right? Is that if they do partner Torres with Jay, we are going to have less Upstead moments. Yes. That just means that we've got Upstead in the white space where they can be all happy and sunshine and roses until we get an actual Upstead scene. I also feel like too, the silver lining can be that if we get less of them as like the little partner moments, that maybe that means we actually get significant. Like when the moments happen, they'll have to be significant because they're choosing to spend the time focusing on an upstead moment and not just giving us upstead for 20 minutes in an episode because they're partners. Exactly. So yeah. 
I think it's good. Also, I feel like we have to note because it's been a conversation out in the world too, that like the only downside, again, not that we don't want Benjamin to have his job, but like, what is it going to take for us to get another female in the unit? That's my, that's my only gripe about it is that I wish we had another woman. I am so happy that we have Torres back. I think he's going to tell great stories. Yeah. But also I would have liked to have had another woman. Yeah. But I do think Torres is going to bring a really interesting viewpoint to the show. Like you said, yeah. you know, he is Latino. There were going to be a lot of stories there. Also in that episode with Jay at the end of it, he basically, he tells Jay, he's like, I understand that, you know, the world is not black and white for you. I get that. Or no, he mm-hmm. says that it's not black and white for him. And he's like, I get that you can't understand that. So he's yeah. going to bring a different viewpoint. And I think that he could teach Jay a lot. Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting too, because when you're talking about like, obviously we, ha- we've seen a little bit of like the fresh out of Academy, you know, just join the intelligence unit when we, when we were introduced to Adam, but that was 10 years ago at this point. So the world is different. The world, when people think about police is different, like so many things are different. And I think it'll be interesting, even though some people, I think I've seen a little bit considered like a redo of the story. Like I think it's going to be very different and very fresh just because, like I said, the world is different. Like the police academy is different. I'm sure the training is different. Like so many things have changed in 10 years since we last saw the story. So no, I think, I think it's going to be good. I just, you know, like I said, I wish there was a female, another female in the unit, but maybe we'll still have to hold out hope that we could get one. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I, I really want to know and we'll never know, but I want to know what happened with Lisette that they couldn't bring her back. Yeah. She was so well received by the fans. Right. Is that a, was that a COVID thing that happened? Cause I don't think she got the job on legends until after PD happened. Yeah. And I, we don't know that for sure. Maybe she could have been in Chon chat, you know, in negotiations for legends. And that's like, we don't know what happened and what came first, but yeah, it is kind of a bummer. Yeah, it is. And there was, and I remember she did an Insta story a while back and somebody had asked her like, why did you leave PD? And she said, she was like, it wasn't my choice. I just, I have questions. We'll never know. It's always going to be a mystery, but in the meantime, yes, very happy for Benjamin. It's exciting. He's, he, he's going to spice things up. Yeah. And he's good. I mean, he was really good in his one episode too. So I'm excited to see how this all goes. I will also admit this does make me feel a little old because now we're bringing in like the new generation. So (laughs) a little old, but I'm excited. Yeah, it'll be good. It'll be good. There was also a note in this article that caught our eye. Just it said, you know, at the end of the deadline article, it said Chicago PD is executive produced by Dick Wolf, Gwen Segan, Chad Saxton, Rick Eyde, Derek Haas, Gavin Harris, Jason Begay, Arthur Forney, and Peter Jankowski. Has Jason always been an executive producer? I don't even think he was a, I don't even think he was a producer last year. Interesting. Cause deadline definitely, they always, whenever someone, you know, whatever they do an announcement on the show, they always kind of end with like who the show's produced by, or, you know, if it's about an actor who they're represented by, you know, it's a trade publication. So we always get that. I'm kind of curious and I meant to do this earlier. Like if I go to an article about one Chicago, like from last year, and what does it say? Hold on. Yeah, this doesn't tell me. I was just curious to see if I could find it, you know, about produced in an article from last year about who the producers were. 
no some none of these have mentioned other producers so i can't find it right the second but no i don't think so i think it's new later yeah i think it's new interesting i think a lot of a lot of interesting developments are going down for season 10 yeah no i think it's new because they've always referred to him like this is an old article from deadline from a 2020 it will follow 2020 and he's always just been referred to about like chicago pd star jason begay so i feel like if he was producer back then they would have said you know star and producer you know something like that Hmm. Hmm. yeah so uh, we do have one patron shout out. We have a new patron. Hello, Jade. Welcome to the family. Hi, Jade. Hi. So glad you're here. Um, I believe Jade is in Canada, which just further adds to the Canadian contingent of our patrons. We've got a like a lot of we got a lot of good one Chicago friends up there. So yes, um, welcome aboard. So happy you're here. All that good stuff. So yes. um, if you would like to support the pod for as little as $2 a month, you can check the link in our socials to our Patreon page and figure out which tier is best for you. We've got all sorts of cool perks. One of those being our patron bonus episodes, which if you're a patron, surprise, you have a bonus episode waiting for you. Yes. We found Third Watch. And by we, I mean I found it. I'm so happy because I loved the show from the time I was a wee little teenager. And I finally get to show it to Bryna. I can't say anything right now because I haven't watched it at this point. So we haven't recorded it yet. Yeah. Like we're gonna record it after we record this, but whatever. Just just act so like, I have yeah, no I'm thoughts surprised. on it as of right this second. You'll hear my thoughts if you are in that tier on our patrons. Yeah, so definitely check that out. Bonus episodes, Facebook group, all that good stuff. And then also, if you're a patron, you will know by now that next week we are going to do a live watch of Third Watch Season 1, Episode 2. So if you're a patron, please join in. If you would like to be a patron, please follow the links. And if you can't find the links, you have homework to do so that you can be prepared for that episode. (laughs) Yes, homework. The best kind of homework, though. Yeah, TV homework. Yeah. Yeah, I am. I'm excited to see what you're going to think, because I mean, it was 1999 that the show premiered. So you were it's that old. Yeah, you were four. Yeah, I was. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this is going to be good. Oh, man. All right. So moving into the episode, shall we? Let's do it. Ooh, this was a mess of an episode, but I mean, mess in a good way. It's chaotic is what I like to say. But in yeah, in a very good way. Yes. Um, Bryna, will you shut me up and please start us off? Yes, we are going to start with Ethan and Dr. Charles. And I think this is one of my favorite Ethan storylines they've ever done. Yeah. It's so good. The PTSD stuff is so good. And I meant, and this is part of the reason why I meant to watch the episode before, is I can't remember what triggered like all the stuff, like the talk about the PTSD and, you know, like, I can't remember why this is a topic of conversation at this moment in the show. Do you remember? I know he had been talking with Dr. Charles. Was this before or after the parrot? And see, that's what I can't remember. I want to say the parrot is like in the mix of all of this. No, because I feel like we would have seen the parrot in the apartment in this first scene. I don't remember what triggered it. I think I don't remember there ever being like a big significant moment that sent Ethan to Dr. Charles but I do remember they had kind of hinted at it throughout season one see that's what I don't remember but anyway so what you need to know at this point 
Ethan is struggling with his PTSD and he is not sleeping. So the episode opens up and we are in Ethan's apartment and Vicky, because talk about a TBT, Vicky is there very much in the thick of their relationship at this point. And she's in bed and he's up by the window having that like dramatic moment that nobody actually has in real life but only happens in TV shows. Do you mean the gratuitous, like, long arm lean against the window that, like, highlights his ass? As you're, like, staring out the window when you can't sleep. Like, I don't know about you, but I definitely do not stare out the window when I can't sleep. I might for, like, five seconds just to, like, take a deep breath, but that's Maybe if I was in a hotel room and that was all I had was to, like, you know, look out a window, but, like, not in my own house do I. Never. And not when I'm sleeping with another person who's like in the room, I'm not going to turn the light on and go like emo stare out the window. Yeah, no, but that's what Ethan's doing at this point. <laughs> that, is, that is Ethan's reality. Um, he can't sleep and Vicky's like, no, you need to come back to bed. And he's, you know, they're talking about this PTSD and she, he says, you know, he's like, I've been in therapy and he's like, and not just Dr. Charles, but he's also like a group that Dr. Charles sent him to at the VA. He's like, you know, I thought I'd be further along, you know, thought I'd at least be sleeping. He's like beginning to think it's a waste of time. And she's like, you know, with PTSD, you know, there's no quick fix. It's a process. And he's, she's like, you need to come back to bed. He's like, got to go for a run. Which like. What time is it? It's like 1 a.m. Probably. Right? 1 a.m., 2 a.m.? I mean, it's like definitely I mean, the middle of the night. It's definitely the middle of the night, which is not the time to go for a run. No. Now, I can see if you're an early riser and you wake and you work out like right when you wake up, there are people like that who will get up at 4 or 5 a.m. Right. Um, that not is at a little 2 a.m. That makes a little bit more sense. But even if it's like 3 or 4 a.m., like, Ethan, try like go to sleep or like try, try to do something to like go to sleep. Right. And, or if you even told me like, I'm going to the workout on a treadmill. Like there's a treadmill in the apartment gym or, you know, like something like that. Okay, fine. Whatever. But like, yeah. Anyway. What's your go-to when you can't sleep? <laughs> Usually end up like reading, scroll on my phone or watch TV. Okay. Yeah. Um, something like that. I, I try yeah. really hard to go back to sleep, but then I get really frustrated and I'm like, fuck it. And so I go downstairs because I'm not going to disturb Charlie's sleep like Ethan does to Vicky, yeah. but I go downstairs and my go-to show is usually the West Wing. I'm usually whatever's on like reruns or I don't know. I haven't, I haven't had that issue though in a long time, like where I woke up and couldn't fall back to sleep. I haven't had that issue in a long time. So hmm. I don't even remember. Must be nice. Yeah. <laughs> I usually sleep generally pretty well. I'm lucky, but anyway, so but now we're at the hospital next day. And we're in the ED waiting area and the receptionist who's there like checking people in is dealing with this patient who is convinced his heart is beating in his head. And she's like, okay, well, we'll get you checked out, you know, just sit down and wait your turn. And he is like refusing to wait to be seen. So he decides he's going to run into like the back part of the ED where, you know, we all see, you know, the the bays are and all that stuff. And he, again, they're like, you sir, you go back outside, sit down, wait your turn. And he decides he's not going to wait. So he decides to take a pencil from the desk and stab it in his ear so that someone a to help like stop the noise, but B so someone will also take him seriously and like get him checked out. Ooh, I had forgotten all about that. It came back to me as soon as I watched, I was like, Oh shit. Like I forgot about that. I, yeah. 
he even says when he's in there, cause like Ethan's trying to calm him down. And he even says, he's like, I could have lied. I could have said I had chest pain, but no, I yeah. was honest and nobody's listening to me. Yeah. He, I mean, very fair point. Totally yeah. fair. You know, as everyone I'm sure knows, but like, if you say you have chest pains, they have to do, you know, they have to see you, they have to keep you, they have to do all these tests, you know, there's certain things they have to do. Um, so yeah. Man, I really felt for this guy. Yeah, I did too. Oof. Um, so Ethan tells Maggie to page Dr. Charles, of course. And Dr. Charles is like, listen, I'm going to ask you some basic questions, but otherwise we're just going to do a basic workup and try to get to the bottom of this. So Ethan works on getting, first of all, he's got to get the pencil out of the ear. So he's working on getting like all of the pencil out. And then he listens to the guy's heart though. And there is like nothing abnormal that he can find. He's like, your heart sounds normal. It's beating normally. He's like, there's nothing, whatever. And Ethan's like, well, I see that you're a veteran. Like maybe it's just PTSD. And the guy's like, no, no, no. Like that was a couple years ago. Like it wasn't that bad. Like, no, no, no. Like it's not PTSD. I swear I'm fine. That's like when a doctor tells a woman that it's just anxiety. Yeah. Or like, it's just hormones or something like that. It's like, no, 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 it's not. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're in excruciating pain. It must be your period. Right. Not always. No, no, no. Not always. Sometimes, but not always. Not always. Yeah. So Ethan brings in Vicky into all of this because she'll be the one supervising his care at the VA. We really should go back and watch the episode where they like get together. Yeah. I don't remember like any of the beginning of their relationship, like at all. Me neither. I, I feel like I remember it happening very quickly. Well, yeah, I mean, this is episode 14, so obviously it had to happen (laughs) somewhat quickly, but so she brings him and he's like, again, still refusing. He's like, no, no, no. Like it's not PTSD. Like there is something wrong. And all of a sudden, Ethan is like staring at the jello and the jello, like sitting on the, you know, tray on the table and he can see the jello's moving like more normally than jello moves because jello moves, but like way more crazy than jello moves. And Ethan suddenly actually decide he's like, no, no, no. Like, I think this is physical. And he's like, we need to order a chest CT. And I was like, oh, where's this going? Like, how do you get this from freaking jello moving? And I was like, where are we yeah. going with this? I totally forgot that he made the connection because of the jello. Yeah. Yeah. So basically what the CT ends up showing is that this guy has a lot of scar. So when he was overseas, he ended up with shrapnel wound on his back. And when that happened, the shrapnel wound ended up causing a lot of scar tissue, which then caused a malformation of his heart. And the malformation acts like an echo chamber. So basically, he really is hearing his heart in his head because it's so loud. And the vibrations from the heart is what was moving the jello, which is fucking nuts. I didn't know that was a thing that could have happened. Science is crazy. It's wild. Our bodies are crazy. <laughs> they're crazy um yeah so the guy's like so what what are you gonna do to make it stop like and ethan's like there's nothing we can do like there's nothing to do to stop this from happening and the guy refuses to believe it he's not he's not okay with that so later on vicky finds ethan on the roof again this might be like the first roof appearance or definitely one of the early ones but it doesn't look as bad green screen as they do now. It looks like an actual roof. Right. That's what I thought. But I didn't know. I, either way, it's not a bad green screen like they're done today. 
I got to take a closer look at that because I can usually snuff it out pretty quickly. But yeah, it looked like an actual night sky in Chicago. Like they were actually outside on the roof. Right. So if it is a green screen, it's definitely well done. But if it's not a green screen, why? The why switch? can't we film on a roof now? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Things I also want to know. But anyway, so like we said, there's nothing they can do for their patient. That's kind of where we're at. And Vicky, you know, they're trying to figure out other solutions that can help him cope with this now loud, you know, echo that he's dealing with. And Vicky's like, you know, it's a problem he can see. And she's like, you know, in a way, isn't it easier to deal with things you can see? And so Ethan gets this idea on like how to show the patient how to live with it. And it seems to work. He basically just tries to get him to reframe the problem as thinking of like, instead of it being something that you're fighting against, you know, think the how the heart beating so loudly is a reminder that it's working to keep you alive. And, you know, it's actually working to fight for you instead of against you. And I it feel seems like, yeah, go ahead. Work. I was gonna say it seems to work because the patient is it's going to take some while, of course, to get used to it, but it seems mm-hmm. to be something he could grasp onto at least. This moment just like killed me when it aired and, and Ethan's just like, you know, remember this is your brother in arms. And then the patient's just like crying and he like reaches out and touches the screen. Oh, that's the first time I think Matt absolutely killed me with feelings. I was going to say, isn't that one of the ones when we did our favorite scenes? Didn't you have this on your list? I did. It's really, it's yeah. Yeah. And so at the end of this section of the episode, at least, um, Vicky and Ethan walk out of the hospital and she asks about his group therapy at the VA and she just sends him that, you know, says this little reminder. She's like, remember, you know, Mr. Coleman, she's like, you, Dr. Joy, have to fight as hard for yourself as your heart does. And yeah, that's the end of that little section, but it's good. It's good. I love this stuff. I love, I mean, I, you know me, like I love all the military, anything that has anything fictional that has like military PTSD. Like I just, I gravitate towards that. So I really love this. Um, you know, not that I want to see Ethan suffer more, but like, I, I love that they bring up his PTSD. And I think this is some of the best PTSD military stuff that any of the Chicago shows have done. They handle it really well. Yeah. 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 Did you see that Netflix trailer I sent you the other day? Yes. I tried reading the book and cause it's based on a book. I was like, Oh, I'm going to read the book before the movie comes out. Like, of course, because you know, usually books are better than the movie. So I was like, I want to read the book. The book was not that great. So I'm still holding maybe out some hope for the movie. The movie trailer looks better, but yeah. I I watched that movie trailer and I was like, okay, military. Oh, it's based on a book and it's YA. This has Bryna's name written all over it. It's not YA. It's it's definitely not YA, but because I'm not really into YA anymore, but like it's all my favorite tropes. It's like um, marriage of convenience. Um, like it's like all these things that I love and I'm like, yeah. And so I read the book and I was like, yeah, the book's not that great, but I am holding out hope for the movie. The movie looks better. So we'll see. What What's the movie called again? Do you remember? Purple Heart. Bad. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. Next up in the hospital is Natalie. There's a name we haven't said in a long time. This is like peak Natalie, but not as bad as we thought. Like it's, it's peak Natalie, but it's not like Natalie just going full Natalie. Cause she can't stop herself. Like, you know, like it's, not, it's like with some reason. She's actually doubting herself in this one because in the previous episode, she'd gone full Natalie. Yeah, exactly. Which like take a drink. <laughs> yeah. 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 
Okay, so Natalie treats a young boy who broke his wrist after falling off of his hoverboard. So um, yeah, little boy, he's got a big brother. She's doing the initial exam and she notices the mom also has a burn on her wrist, but she's like, oh, it's just a kitchen accident. Like, don't even worry about that. And so Nat's like, okay, well, we need to get an x-ray and she hesitates about it, but ultimately is like, fine, great, whatever. Now, while this is going on, the older brother is like kind of a, he's like not, not a suck up, but he's like, something's off. You can tell, right. At least as the audience, you can tell right away that like, he's not, that's not normal behavior. He's a little creepy. Yeah. 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 Which like shout out to that actor to be what, maybe like seven or eight years old and absolutely nail that. Yeah. Fucking creepy AF. Talented kids, man. Talented kids. Mm-hmm. So the x-ray comes back and Natalie's like, okay, well, he's had a previous fracture before. And the parents are like, they like, they, they, they act like they didn't realize, do you think they knew? And just, that's why they didn't want to do the x-ray. Yeah, probably. Yeah. So the parents just kind of play dumb about it, but the kid's hand starts to lose circulation. So Natalie sends him up to the OR immediately. So Natalie goes to Goodwin with her suspicions and just take out your one Chicago bingo card and just, you know, cross it out. Natalie suspects child abuse. Ding, ding, ding. Like party horn. Yeah. Is, it, is it a season one episode of Med if Natalie doesn't suspect child abuse? Is it a season one episode? Is it a season one through six episode? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, but, but unlike the other episodes, Natalie is like, listen, so like I fucked up last week, right? We thought that there was a baby being abused, but that wasn't the case at all. And I humiliated that patient. So like, is my instinct off? And Goodwin's like, you know, like, I don't want to say yes, but I also want to hold off so we don't have a repeat. It's like introspective Natalie is something we never got really past this. I don't ever remember. I don't remember the last time we had introspective Natalie. And I'm like, you know what? If we could have had a little bit more, I'm not saying she had to be all introspective all the time, but if we could have had more introspective Natalie to balance out the kind of Natalie just act first, think later version that we mostly had, it would have been a lot better of a balance for that character. But she just thought, she acted first and thought second so much that like it just I was over Natalie by the time she left I mean if we had introspective Natalie she wouldn't have gotten fired for what she did right but I'm saying like even if even if we didn't have introspective Natalie all the time just a little more balance between introspective Natalie and like balls to the wall Natalie (laughs) yeah 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 it's why she and Will just didn't work because they were both balls to the wall yeah yeah yeah. And maybe in some world we could have had them work, but again, they were both two balls to the wall and not introspective enough. Somewhere in the one Chicago multiverse, Will and <laughs> Natalie are completely level-headed and rational thinking doctors. Who yes. Oh my God. The alternate versions of Will and Natalie. Yeah. Oh man. Oh yeah. Just open that can of worms. Oh goodness. So, uh, yeah, Goodwin's like, hey, let's get a second opinion. So Dr. Charles goes in with Natalie and the dad immediately is like, you suspect me of abuse like that. How dare you? Like, you can do whatever the hell you want. I don't abuse my kids, which I like, I don't know if it's me because we've seen this episode so many times, but when the dad is like, the dad's like, I know that you suspect me of abuse. I was like, I don't suspect you of abuse, but I also think it's because we've seen this episode before. What so. I think generally the thought is like, when she notices something is up with the kid and something's up with the mom, I guess that means the 
odd person left out is it has to then be the dad yeah or whoever else is the other adult in the situation because nobody would have suspected it to be the kid right right so So, yeah so the dad swears up and down he's like I don't abuse my family so you can do whatever the hell you want whatever so then later on in the episode uh, a a woman comes in from a, a motor vehicle accident and like they take her to the OR or whatever. They stabilize her, all that stuff. They take her out to the OR. There's a lot of blood left behind. There's like gauze. It's 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 a, it's pretty much, it would be a crime scene if it wasn't in a hospital, right? Yep. The other thing this kid catches is a button from her shirt and it's on the ground. It's like covered in blood. And the kid's just kind of like looking at the scene and Dr. Charles is behind him, just like just watching him like the kid doesn't know that Dr. Charles is there and he's just kind of surveying the scene and he bends down and he picks up the button and he just kind of looks at it and marvels at it and he puts it in his pocket still covered in blood still covered in blood yeah creepy yeah totally creepy totally creepy so Dr. Charles is like what you doing And the kid just plays it off. Like he knows exactly what to say and exactly how to play it. It's so creepy. And like this whole exchange, he's like, Dr. I don't remember exactly what Dr. Charles asked him, but the kid's like, I want to be a doctor. And Dr. Charles is like, oh yeah, why is that? And the kid just goes knives. And Dr. Charles is like, wait, what'd you say? And he's like, oh, I mean, helping people. And it's like, again, this actor, whoever that kid is playing the kid, He's so good just the way he says it is like it's funny and menacing and like creepy and sadistic it's like all those things at the same time and it's it's so weird it's so weird it's so weird oh yeah and the timing on that like why is that the knives oh I mean helping oh, I people think, yeah Ooh. Oh my goodness. It's so creepy. Yeah. Yeah. So Dr. Charles and Goodwin and Nat, they have a meeting of the minds and Dr. Charles is like, okay, this kid is exhibiting sociopathic tendencies, which like, yes, yes. Yes. At like nine years old. Yeah. So Dr. Charles and Natalie, they go to talk to the parents about, about this kid and their concerns. And so while they're talking, they're presenting this option, this kid, his name is Griffin. He's in the waiting room. And, they're, you know, they're, Nat's like, okay, well, you can watch him from where we are. Like, that's fine. Well, they talk about it. And of course the parents don't take it while well, they look back out into the waiting room and Griffin is gone. Yep. Gone. So the parents are like, well, shit, where'd he go? Like, what are we doing? And they run around the corner of the hallway or whatever. Well, Griffin's in his brother's room. He hasn't done anything, but just standing over him is giving the little brother anxiety, even though he's like completely sedated and out. Mm -hmm. So he's so afraid of his brother that like his blood pressure is rising, his heart rate's rising, all of that. He's having a panic response to his brother just being there. Yep. And so the parents are like, what did you do? What did you do? Like the dad picks him up, runs him out of the room. And so again, this kid is so afraid of his brother that his body just responds to danger. Right. Literally almost killed him because not because the brother actually did anything, but because he's so afraid of the brother. It literally yeah. almost killed him. Yeah. Yeah. Which I'm glad they didn't go too in depth on that. I don't really want to know the specifics of what the little kid might have done. Yeah. And I'm glad. I mean, and while it's I, I am glad they didn't go as far as to have the brother kill him either. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, that would that would have been be like way too, too far. far even for med standards. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. So they meet with DCFS and DCFS recommends that they separate the kid from the family. 
And so Natalie's like, yeah, that's good. And Goodwin's like, no, it's not good because the family's not going to do it. And so at the end of the night, the mom goes back up to see the younger son and Natalie just oh so conveniently meets her at the elevator, air quotes. And she just says, she's like, you know, there's still time to do the right thing. Like, I worry that your kid's going to hurt you. And the mom just looks at Nat and is like, are you a mom? Then what the hell would you do? Yeah. Which is completely fair. I mean, you can't just ask a family to turn their back on their child. Right. Because somewhere deep down, I mean, granted, the kid is, has his issues, but like, it's still their child and they still love him. It's like, yeah, it's, it's hard. That was a tough one. Yeah. And if you, if you don't understand these kinds of issues, like hear, hearing that for the first time, like your child's a sociopath and we need to separate your child from the family. Like that, that sounds like a kiss of death. Like it's irreparable harm, even though, yeah, even Dr. Charles says the kids, his brain is still developing. There are ways to intervene and, and stop it, but it's a fair question. I'm glad somebody threw the question back at Nat. Cause so many times Nat is like, you need to do this. You need to do that. Okay. Well, what the hell would you do? Well, at this point, she's a new mom herself. So it's like on her mind, obviously, that she's going to be raising Owen in this world without a partner to bounce these things off. So it's like, what would she do if this was Owen, Mm -hmm. you know, in nine, 10 years from now? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. And then Natalie goes home and cuddles little tiny baby Owen, who like. Literal baby Owen. He should be like seven now. Owen should be in like the first grade. Yeah, I mean, he was like a full ass like kid by the time he left. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, crazy time, man. Mm-hmm. Next up, we've got April. A little this bit of April, just little, a little tiny bit. bit of April. But this is when absolutely worthless, horrible, maybe the worst character in one Chicago history, Tate, is still around. But you know what? Okay, so I'll talk about these little scenes in a second, but it did make you remember, like, I remember watching this season, obviously back when I was binging it, and this, and like, I liked them before Tate became the worst character ever. I was like, oh, they're kind of cute. Like, I didn't think I, it was her forever, but I was like, you know what? I don't mind this. This isn't bad. This isn't a bad ship. And then it becomes terrible. But like, this reminded me, I was like, you know what? At this point, I didn't think it was that bad. He blamed her for her miscarriage. Yes, I'm not saying that wasn't bad. But at this point, that hasn't happened. So he wasn't as bad. I remember him not being as bad. I mean. But yes, at that point, he's terrible. That, that like, all of that stuff that happens after this, like, taints him forever for me. Even if he's all yeah. cute and they have, like, well, chemistry And it's now, funny like, because looking back on it, I, I was like, he wasn't that great. But I'm saying back in 2016, when I was watching this and we mm-hmm. didn't know that to come, because that's season two. That's not season one. Yeah. I was like, you know what? he wasn't that bad but yeah no now he's worse and now I see things and I'm like oh, oh my god Rewatching this episode the minute he walked in with the balloons I was like well fuck that guy like <laughs> that's a little extreme but all right so let's okay so basically there's a couple scenes for April that we gotta we gotta touch on because they're significant so basically like you said tape stops by the hospital with balloons he's going to see his son and of course he has to stop and see April like on his way upstairs and he, you know, they say hi, whatever, have a little cute chit chat. And he leaves. And Maggie's, of course, being all Maggie. And she's like watching this whole thing go down. And she's like, girl, you know, the only thing worse than dating a patient is an athlete. And she's like, April's like, well, 
his son's the patient and he's retired. <laughs> and Maggie's like, don't get me wrong. Like, I love athletes. But in my experience, she's like, they're just little kids in men's bodies. Bad long-term bets. And I'm like, yep. I mean, Maggie with the truth always. <laughs> that's kind of true of most men though, isn't it? I mean, that's also true. No offense to our male listeners, all five of you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so later on, Tate is taking his son back to his room kind of at the end of the day. And he, you know, Tate assures, reassures April that like, just because the fact that she's a great nurse is to his son is not the only reason he wants to go out with her. And again, like he leaves and she turns around and Maggie is standing there again. And April is like so smitten at that point. And she's just like, you know what? You're wrong about him. Like, he's a good guy. And Maggie's just like, okay, like, you know, I hope you're, I hope I'm wrong, but Anyway, this little part ends because Tate and April have their first date at Molly's and he leaves kind of fast because he's afraid his son will wake up and he won't be there. And he's like, you know, sorry, not much of a state. And then he just leaves. And like April's like, no, it was perfect. And I'm like, there's a couple things here. Yeah. One, what kind of man plans to go out when his son is still in the hospital, like plans to go out on a date while his son is still in the hospital? Granted, I know his son is doing better, but still. As a single parent, what kind of man does this? Yes. The part that got me about that is that you scheduled this first date with April and then you left in the middle of it. Right. That too. But that's and what I don't there understand. There wasn't an it's emergency. Like, right. It's not like something happened with his son and his son crashed all of a sudden or whatever. That I could have been like, okay, that makes fine. Leave. Go be a father. But like what I don't understand is like your son is in the hospital. You're a single parent. Like I would be like sleeping at the hot, you know, like all like I wouldn't be going out on a first date with my son's nurse. Yeah, that would definitely be something where like, oh, we should grab a beer once my son is out of the hospital. Right. That's what I don't understand. And like, like you said, he leaves in the middle of the date kind of fast because, like, again, what did he think was gonna happen? I mean, they were gonna get food, for, you know. I don't know. And she's just like, no, this was perfect. And it's like, girl, know your worth, April. I don't understand. It was not perfect. It was not. It was not perfect. It was not perfect. That's like one of those narrator things. It's like, it was not perfect. (laughs) Yeah. It was not in fact fine. (laughs) Yeah. I just, as I rewatched that scene, that's where I was like, no, no, Tate. No. Boo. Boo. I'm telling you, Tate's up there with some of like the big one Chicago villains in my book. Oh my God. I just had a great idea. Can we do like a worst one Chicago characters like bracket or something like that? <gasps> yes. <laughs> I love that. I feel like we need to do some sort of ranking of like definitively of like the worst one Chicago characters ever. I love that so much. So guys, if you have any suggestions for like a list to compile, send them to us. Yeah, send us all of your least favorite one Chicago characters. So that we can come up with some sort of like bracket or voting polls or whatever. I don't know what we'll come up with, but like we'll come up with something. because I, I love think this could, so much. Especially for summer hiatus, I think it could be fun to do. Yeah. So. Oh, that's good. Inspired that's really good. by Tate in this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he definitely gets a spot on the bracket. Uh, Yes, I don't even care. He could not even be mentioned by anyone else. We get definitive say he's on the bracket. God damn it. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. He has his own like quadrant. I mean, if we want to like, like, like we can make like, cause you know how like the basketball brackets have like, like the East coast, West coast or whatever. We yeah. have like the Tate quadrant or like the Sean Roman quadrant or like whatever. I don't know. We'll I love that with something, but yeah. yes, worst one Chicago characters ever. Fantastic. Mwah, chef's kiss. 10 out of 10. Cause what? like, we don't need to know the best one, but like, we're going to figure out what the worst one is for sure. For sure. Yes, indeed. Indeed. All right. So next up, we've got Will and Connor. I miss Connor. Yeah, I do too. I miss him. I miss him all the time. I, yeah. Never yeah. getting over that. No. So um, Frozen, the musical, it's, it's touring right now, but it's coming yes. through. It's coming through Dallas. I'm, I'm scheduled to go see it next week, but there was like, I didn't realize that when they have the commercials on TV, it's like the original Broadway cast mm-hmm. the commercial. So I'm like watching something dumb last night. It was like, maybe it was watching like MasterChef or something. And all of a sudden I'm just like, Hey, Patty's on my TV. Not, yeah. not Patty Fluger, but Patty Murin, because obviously she was in the original Frozen cast. So I was just like, Oh, I miss her and I miss Colin. I just, I miss them. When does Colin, Colin's new show, they haven't like said when it's coming out, right? Is that the one that he moved to Australia to do? Yeah. I don't it's know. on Peacock. Oh, it comes out in the fall. If I remember correctly, I want to say like November. I'm Googling. Hold on a second. I'm pretty sure it's November because I remember I sent it to the group chat. Yeah, I, that's what I thought. Hold on. Um, Irreverent. I guess when you sent it, hold on. Somebody else. November 30th, November 30th. Okay. Somebody else is in that cast that caught my eye too. And I can't remember who. Um, Or maybe not that, but that it sound, the premise sounds really interesting. I feel like there was someone in that cast, but I couldn't remember. Like he, he moves to Australia to escape a life of crime or something. And then he like masquerades as a priest. Yes. Yeah. 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 Sounds good. It may be a little too dark for me, but I'll try it. Look, if La Brea can get a second season, anything's possible. I didn't say that. I'm just saying a little too dark for my personal tastes. I said it. I mean, yeah, but I, it's true. But I'm just saying. It's a sinkhole that opens up to like something BC. It just, what? Okay, whatever. I am thrilled that John Seda has a job and that he's still on NBC. And Owen Mackin. We cannot Owen Mackin, yes. I keep forgetting he's in that. Yeah, like the other main lead. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Anyway, we digress. Okay. William and Connor. William and Connor. I miss Connor so much. The bromance that should have been and never was. But actually, though. But actually, though. Okay. So um, if you forget, like, where in the timeline we are, this very first scene reminds us. Because Natalie and Will have some awkward small talk just right off the bat. Such and- awkward. So awkward. Oh. It's like the early days of Manstead was just full of awkward, like, I don't know how to talk to you. And, like, I don't know how I feel about you. I don't know how I feel about you either. But I'm pregnant with someone else's baby. So, like, we can't. It's just, like, it's so awkward. Well, it's and so in the weird. middle of all of this, you've got Will walking around like a sixth grade middle schooler for the duration of the entire first season. Yeah. There's that episode where he kisses her without her consent. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Because Nat's like, why are you such a dick to me? And Will's complete response is just to kiss her. Oh, my God. The, when, the day that we do the Manstead deep dive. Oh, I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that's going to oh, be a good one. Oh, man. That's going to be a doozy. Yeah. Jesus. Yep. Yep. It's going to come one day, but like, oh, man. 
are you a sixth grade boy or are you a doctor? Well, which one? <laughs> which one? You cannot be both. You cannot be both. Make Even a though you're trying, you cannot be both. Oh, well. Yeah. As we say in the South, bless his heart. So Natalie also drops a line in here. And this is what tells us about the timeline. She goes, oh, I heard Mr. Baker drop the lawsuit. And Will's like, yeah. And then they just kind of leave it at that. Let's just fill in some context here. Mr. Baker dropped the lawsuit where you ignored his wife's DNR. Yep, that. And you got sued for it. That. And you needed malpractice insurance for it. That. And I think, isn't that, no, that's not when Goodwin says you're a pain in my ass, but it's the beginning of Will being a pain in his ass. Her ass, but yeah. Yes, her ass. Oh, William. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. man. (laughs) So Connor and Dr. Downey are operating and their patient goes into like third degree heart block. They're handling it. Basically, it's a heart issue that they're handling because this is when Downey's still around. He's still mentoring Connor, all that good stuff. And Connor handles it like a pro. Like he should. Yeah, as he should, as he should. So then later on, Connor goes back down. And this is the scene when the creepy kid picks up the button, but he helps out with the girl who was in the accident and she won't let go of her purse. And the purse comes in handy, but she won't let go of her purse. She's scared out of her mind because like she flipped the car or something. And so they wheel her and she's got the purse and Connor and Maggie are both like, hey, you can let it go. Like, it's okay. Maggie's got it. Don't even worry. So Maggie pries it from her hands. Maggie takes up the ID and is like, hey, Connor, like her name's Skylar. This is what's going on. So, you know, Connor just talks to her. He's like, hey, you were in an accident. It's cool. Don't worry. Like we've got you. Everything's fine. So Will steps in at that moment to help out and like them cooperating and vibing and working together and like not arguing was kind of nice. Mm-hmm. It was good. I enjoyed it. Yeah. But Connor ends up having to take her up to the OR. So Dr. Downey comes in to help and she's pretty far gone. And so, you know, he and Downey are just kind of like, why can't we, like, she's moving. Why can't we get her under? Like, what's going on? All of a sudden in the middle of this, this operation, she wakes up and she grabs Connor. And then she dies. And then she dies. And she looks Connor right in the eyes with like this just look of desperation on her face. Like, help me, save me. And then she just, yeah. Like, that's a big moment in med history. I completely forgot that was in this episode. I forgot it honestly happened, period. Oh, man, it's heavy. And I mean, like, he makes eye contact with her. Like, she holds it for a good, like, five seconds. And then Mm -hmm. she just, she dies. Yep. But, like, that's something that'll shake even the toughest of doctors like Connor. Well, yeah, and it shapes how you... I mean, it, I think, I mean, you know, we'd have to really do some like deep Connor Rhodes, deep dive, but like, I think you could argue that it changed who he was as a doctor. Cause if you, I mean, like, cause if you think about that and then you think about Downey dying, like four episodes after this, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a lot to happen to someone, you know, who's still learning who he is as a doctor. Like that's a lot to happen to someone in the kind of quick span. It's interesting how it both softened him and kind of strengthened his God complex when you think about it. Kind of. Yeah. Like I said, I think you'd really, I'd have to really think about the argument about it changing him as a doctor, but I think you could probably argue that. Especially it happening so close to Downey dying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
I love a good deep dive into Connor Rhodes's brain. Yeah. Oof. Oof. That moment. And Colin's such a good actor. He's so good. Oh my God. So good. So good. Yes. Just the Colin Donald appreciation hour. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. So it turns out that her pericardium, which is somewhere in your heart area, I don't know, I'm not a doctor, um, it was filled with blood, which is why the anesthesia wasn't working because there was all the blood was in her pericardium when it could have been circulating throughout her body. So that's why she died. And so Connor's like, okay, well, I'll go, I'll, like, I'll go notify the family. And Downey's like, no, no, like, I'll do it. Don't worry about it. It's fine. So Will stops Connor on his way out of the lounge. And Will's just like, man, it's been a day. Like, it's been a day. And he's just like, can I buy you a drink? And Connor's like, yeah, let's do it. Like the bromance that we could have had. It could have happened, but never was. I know. It would have been so good. We were robbed. We were really robbed. We were robbed. Yes. So Connor walks out of the hospital and that's when they take this angle with the camera where you see the red purse and it's the, the girl's parents just crying because they lost her. And so Connor sees that overhears it kind of takes it in and he gets in his car and he tries to be all tough about it but he ends up breaking down he yeah sweet baby connor my heart my heart indeed just like protect connor Rhodes at all costs for real though yeah like he was an asshole sometimes but like he was our asshole god damn it our asshole Ah, uh, damn it. I know it kills me. Yeah. So Will walks into Molly's at the end of the episode and he's like, Herman, have you seen Connor? And Herman's like, nope, haven't seen him. And Connor never showed because he was having a cry. Yep. I miss him so much. Yeah. I hope Connor is doing well at the Mayo Clinic. Mm-hmm. And ended up marrying Robin. Do you think we'll ever see Connor again? I hope so. I was thinking about that while watching this episode, how like, you know, they, they had said that they were open to having Colin return and like, it's time. I feel it's like though, because I miss it, him. It also is not PD. It's also not PD. So like chances are a character returning could happen. Not forever. Cause I don't think he'll ever come back on like a serious regular basis, but like I could see him come hopping back for like an episode or two. I would love that. And I you really know what? Would. He's still in the NBC family because now he's on Peacock. So mm-hmm. I'm just saying. It doesn't bode well that it's been seven seasons since Peter Mills left and we haven't seen him. But I will hold out hope. You know what? I'm just we said that about Griffin and Ben, though, and look what happened. I mean, granted, that was not for good reasons, but I'm just saying. I don't appreciate them taking Casey with them. Yeah, I mean, that's true. That's true. I'm just, listen, Colin's back in the NBC world. He's on Peacock. So that's more than we had. Well, I was going to say we just had that with Charlie, too, and that didn't happen. So uh, I know. I'm going to stop talking now. Now I'm sad. I'm going to stop oh. talking. <laughs> it's okay. So last stop, right? This is last stop? Yeah. Yeah. Last up, we've got Reese because. Remember Sarah Reese? This is a hot, I, I may just, I may be getting ready to say a hot take. I think this episode reminded me, like, I never hated Sarah Reese. I never hated her, but I definitely was not like a diehard Reese fan. And I know there's a bunch of 
like she has a big following still to this day but she was not my favorite and this just kind of reminded me why yeah I'm trying to think of how I want to say what I want to say without ruffling feathers like I said I didn't hate her I wasn't like oh my god Sarah Reese is the worst character on met like no but like she just was not for me no, I didn't hate her either, but also in all reality, are you really going to have just like one, one lone med student roaming the halls and like actually practicing medicine? Oh, well, we have it now. Hold on. I'm blinking. Vanessa? Vanessa, you're right. But then they call her doctor? They call her doctor. I mean... Yeah, yeah, but I mean, at this point, Reese is like, at, after this, she's a doctor. Yeah, yeah, she is. And they call her Dr. Reese after after season one, so. Mm-hmm. But. Hmm. The early days, man. Yeah. But Rachel's a pillow kind of disappeared. Like, what is she? I don't know what she Has she done to. anything? Let's is she see. on social media? She's not on social media. And I know that because before med started, I interviewed her and I do remember that I actually had asked her about that. And she was like, no, like I don't use socials, um, start us off here and I will do some Googling. Okay. So basically the whole Reese stuff begins because Joey comes up from his hole down in pathology to come up (laughs) and congratulate her on her pathology match. And his present that he gives her is a slide of bubonic plague. How is that romantic? (laughs) It's so nerdy. It's so nerdy. And in a way that's kind of cute, but also it's the fucking bubonic plague. (laughs) Yeah. It's not like you said like, oh, this is like, you know, when people are like, oh, that's the coordinates or like the star map for, you know, the night I met you or whatever. Like, that's cute. But like... This is fucking a fucking disease. What does one Google to get that as a gift for another person? I don't understand. I don't either. And like, how did that search not trigger like a lot of security or something? I don't know. And like the fact he presents it, like he's giving her jewelry and he like opens the box and it's a slide of bubonic plague. I can't. And that's, I think that's a nerdy thing. That's like cute to them. I get it, but like, I don't know. I mean, I get it and I don't get it. Uh, Yeah, I I, I thought it was kind of cute though. I mean, Sarah and Joey were cute for what they were. They were puppy love. Yeah, I, again, it doesn't work for me, but anyway, she thinks it's really cute, which is all that matters. But anyway, so she goes to help Will with his patient and she ends up passing out. Poor thing. Gina's laughing because it has to do with the patient that they're working on as a gymnastics teacher. I'm and laughing for I'm laughing for other reasons, but you know, there's that, also a little tiny gymnastics reference, which made you happy. Well, it, not even that it made me happy. I just was like, oh, this episode has everything. There's even gymnastics humor. I mean, it's not quality gymnastics humor, but I no, I'm laughing because like how embarrassing for Sarah. <laughs> like that too. Oh God, have you ever passed out before? No, I have. It's embarrassing. I have not. It's embarrassing. So, um, it's one thing to pass out in a doctor's office, which is what happened to me when I was 16, but like to pass out in front of Will Halstead for me, that would be really embarrassing. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, not your yeah. That would not be that would not be good for Gina. No. Yeah. So she passes out. And, you know, when she wakes up, whatever, Will runs some tests and her EKG and BP are normal. So basically they're looking at vasovagal syncope, which basically is just a fancy way of saying she fainted due to some stressful trigger, which they now have to figure out like what triggered this, you know, her fainting. Yeah. So Joey comes up to bring her her labs and she ends up having like a freak out on him when he asks, all he asks her is like, are you okay? Like, why would they be running labs on you if you're not Okay. And she is just like, you can't ask people that. You can't ask patients that, blah, blah, blah. Like, there's a protocol in the ED. It's not like pathology. And he's just like, okay. Like, I didn't mean to offend you. Like, I'm sorry. And so later on, Will finds Reese in the lounge and she's dealing with a vertigo episode. And Will's like, well, maybe we should run more tests. Like, Reese is like, no, no, no. Like, I know what this is. And all she mutters, she's just like, pathology. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. It's one thing, like, like even I know for me, like at the height of like when my anxiety gets really bad, like what I used to, it used to like start physical symptoms. I would actually throw up sometimes and that would happen. That was bad enough. I couldn't imagine having anxiety and passing out being a risk of that. That would just like make the anxiety even worse. Yeah. No, no. So Reese finds Joey at the coffee cart later and apologizes. And she just says, you know, she's like, will you still like me if I don't go into pathology? And he's just like, Reese, you got to get over yourself. And she's like, I know I do. (laughs) We're not just these two. I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, the episode ends and Reese is stopping Goodwin on her way out. And she's like, is there any way we can like undo my match? And Goodwin's just like, LOL, no matches are binding legal contracts. Like, no, you're, you're stuck. Also, why, like, why are you hitting her with the big question while she's trying to leave? Yeah. Like like, she's going to tell you anything she can to get out of there. Yeah. Yeah. So the question for tomorrow, not tonight. Um, but yes, that's kind of where we're at is Reese is like not wanting to go into pathology, but that's where she's stuck. So this was a good episode. Yeah. Also to answer our Rachel DePillo question, she mm. has not been on anything. She was in a movie in 2021 called Hello, My Name is Frank, but she literally has not done any acting according to her IMDb since med. Except okay, that. So this movie comedy about frank a hermit with tourette syndrome who is thrust into the harsh realities of the world when his caregiver dies yeah okay. and that's the only thing she's done since med hmm. Hmm. interesting so yeah don't know what she's up to no no so yeah but any other any other notes on this episode this is a good one this was a good one this is a really really good one i enjoyed it yeah, I do too. For sure. We'll have to watch more med season one and less med season two. Yes. We already did the panda episode. So in my opinion, there's nothing left of season two to cover. Yeah, we've done some of the big ones in season two, but um we so, really only have those two seasons because otherwise we've covered the rest of med, which is crazy to think about. Um that we've been around that long. But yeah. I de- we definitely should do um Vicky and Ethan, whatever that kind of the beginning of that arc is, that'd be fun. Yeah, that would be fun. That would be fun. So, so. well, that's about all we've got for today. Um, as always, you guys know where to find us Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, meet us at Molly's right across the board. 
Um, if you like the show, which we really hope you do, because you've made it all the way to the end, please leave us a reading and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to us. We would so greatly appreciate that. Check out the link in our socials to our Patreon page if you would like to join. If you are a patron, chances are by now you've turned this off and you have turned to the bonus episode that is awaiting you. But yeah, follow us individually on Twitter. I am at Gina Watches TV, Bryna. I am at Bryna K13. So next week, we know what we're covering, actually. Yes, so we do. We just decided that we wanted to cry. So we and do a really long ass crossover, a long ass crossover. And we wanted to bring justice back into the fold. Why, Why not? not? Why, Why not? not? So we're covering the crossover where Lexi dies. That's it. Yeah, I wish I hold on. I I don't remember the numbers off the top of my head. But yeah, that ups, it's starts on fire, goes to PD and then justice. Oh, th- this is justice's true first episode. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, I know. Ready to like crack my knuckles, like because we really—I mean, we've talked about justice on the podcast, but the only time we've really done anything with justice is that one YouTube video we did. Yes, because we don't talk about justice because it was terrible. We don't talk about justice. No, 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 no. Except we do, but oh god, when we do, we rip it to shreds. Yeah. It wasn't good. I literally just forgot. We were when we were figuring out this whole thing and deciding we wanted to do this. I was looking at the episode list of Justice, and I was like, "Oh wait, they did a whole Bretonia plot on an episode at the end." I didn't get to it because, like, remember we had this conversation. I said, "Oh, there was a thing about Antonio running into Brett in like one of the last episodes of Justice." I was like, "How did I not know this?" Because it happened on Justice. Was that the moment when Antonio, like, or no, that was on fire. Cause I was going to say there was, there was a moment when Brett ran into Antonio and Antonio was like, oh, somebody at the district just set me up with somebody. That's on fire. Yeah. No, this says, this is, hold on a second. Episode 11 of Justice and the whole, you know, blah, 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 episode description, whatever. Meanwhile, Dawson runs into Sylvie Brett during the investigation and thinks about their former relationship. And I'm like, that was a whole thing on Justice? What? How did I not know that? I wonder if this episode is the one with Bradley Whitford, though, because I remember that Justice was bookended by West Wing alums. Like they started the season and Bradley Whitford was in an episode as an attorney. And then yes. they ended it and Richard Schiff was an attorney. Hold on. I'll find out. Uh, Wikipedia. He's in an episode called Fake. Yes, he is. This is the one with Bradley Whitford. I love Bradley Whitford. Yeah. Oh my God. I love Bradley Whitford so much. Yeah. Forever will kick myself for the fact that I was in the bar. I was in a bar with Bradley Whitford and Richard Schiff and had no clue who they were. Yeah. But anyway, yes, that's what we're covering next week. So send us all your thoughts. Send us all your thoughts. Gear up. (laughs) Like get the wine, get the tissues, maybe rest your voice so you can yell at the TV. Um, Yeah. It'll be good. It'll be good. So. Yeah, in the meantime, everybody have a good weekend and we will see you next week. Bye.